Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Wasn't that a great conversation with that professor? Uh, you can, if you've missed it, I insist that you make your way to uh, the KSL News Radio site later on today when we have the podcast up. I want you to listen through uh, the very just clear and straightforward presentation of the findings of that study. What do they do? This group of professors, they got together at Brigham Young University. They looked at dozens and dozens and dozens of studies which have looked at the effectiveness and the risks of wearing masks. And what did it find? It found that overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the science supports that the future health of our community, at least in terms of our battle against the coronavirus, our strongest and most effective tool is the very simple act of wearing a mask. Yeah. And here in Utah... There's no mandate. The governor's put forth a challenge. Boyd Matheson refers to it as our moonshot. I'd like to add my name uh, to that long list of folks saying that I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm on Team Mask. (laughs) There's one final portion of that study I want to share with you before we move on to the next topic. But it segues nicely into what we'll discuss in just a moment, which is uh, what is going to happen in the Salt Lake City School District? Are they going to open or not? Uh, Yandri Chatwin from the district spoke with Dave and Debbie this morning. I wanted to be sure that you uh, were able to hear exactly what was said, uh, especially as you uh, are, you know, maybe a parent within the school district and you're looking forward to, uh, you know, school start time, wondering how it's going to be in your home. Will you have kids at home or uh, will they be off to school or will it be some mix of the two? Anyway, we'll get into that in just a moment, but I want to share with you what the BYU researchers found regarding COVID-19 and back-to-school effects and masks. It reads, uh, quote, one of the largest decisions facing our country right now is how to safely restart the economy and get children back into school. Thankfully, studies show that children are at a lower risk than adults when it comes to experiencing severe symptoms of COVID-19. I think for the most part we knew that. Now, some data. Roughly 90% of children are either asymptomatic or had mild symptoms through infants age, uh, I'm sorry, though infants age 0 to 1 had a greater risk of developing severe or critical symptoms. While this is positive news for the health of most children, it also represents a very dangerous phenomenon. Children who are asymptomatic could serve as unknowing carriers for the disease, potentially infecting their parents, teachers, or other loved ones more at risk. Research into COVID-19 has shown that asymptomatic carriers of the disease have a similar viral load as those experiencing severe symptoms. 
Now, this is Lee speaking again. How about that piece of information we learned from the professor there that the volume of the virus to which you are initially exposed has an impact on the severity of the symptoms that you experience should you contract the virus? Does that make sense? So, like, if you've got a fistful of a fistful of of Rona, <laughs> and you hurl it at someone, and you get that whole fistful on them, their experience after uh, getting hit by that COVID snowball will be dramatically worse should they only be exposed to uh, one or two uh, little molecules of the deal. I, I never, I, I never would have understood that or thought of that. But in my layman brain, it speaks, uh, it speaks to the value of these masks. Why? Well, you've seen the graphics, you know, uh, where they do some kind of light trick or some sort of graphic representation of how many globules of moisture are able to escape through the various types of masks. And while the effectiveness of the masks vary, one thing is indisputable. If you've got some sort of barrier in front of your face, you're sending less uh, of, of whatever you're exhaling out into the world. All right? That's pretty simple. And it can only help at schools. Last sentence of the paragraph here on schools and COVID-19. This, again, coming from the study released just today by Brigham Young University. Coaching children on wearing masks and implementing social distancing may help reduce spread. But as any parent will tell you, even getting children dressed in the morning can be a challenge. In this context, it may be best to focus on carefully educating teachers and administrators about how masks work and providing clear and frequent training on how to help students effectively avoid infection. All right. So with that said, let's take a few minutes and have a look at what's happening in the Salt Lake City School District right now. Uh, just before... Just before I took a, a few days off to hang out with uh, Piper and her beautiful mom, my wife, uh, the news was released from Governor Gary Herbert that he will be allowing schools in the orange COVID-19 risk areas to offer in-person classes. You remember there was a in Salt Lake uh, County, or Salt Lake City rather, the district was in within orange boundaries. And part of the parameters or guidelines included in that risk group was that uh, in-school instruction or in-person instruction uh, was a no-go. Well, the governor changed that, so now it's up to the district. They have the ability, despite being in the orange COVID-19 risk area, uh, the school can offer uh, classroom instruction. Let's have a, a quick listen to what the governor had to say. He here in this press conference of last week talked about how important it is to return to the classroom. It's imperative, I think, that we open our schools. We cannot afford to have schools closed. He then went on to make the accommodation and describe uh, what will happen now for those areas in the orange COVID-19 risk area. We're going to make a modification to the orange guidelines to accommodate Salt Lake City School District and those schools which are found inside the Salt Lake City limits so that they also can open up and have every opportunity that the other districts and other schools in Salt Lake County have uh, by virtue of being in yellow. So now we're straight on the situation at hand. We're straight on what the governor has allowed. Now what will the district do? Earlier this morning, 
on the on the radio here, KSL News Radio, with David Dejanovic. Uh, Yandri Chatwin is the executive director of communications and community relations for the Salt Lake City School District. Debbie asked, "Is there a chance the classrooms in the Salt Lake School District will remain closed, even though uh, the governor has paved the way for them to reopen?" There's definitely still a chance. Um, if you look at the updated language in the phased guidelines, it says that schools may open with some level of in-person instruction. So it, it still doesn't compel anyone to fully open. Uh, but again, our Board of Education has the final word. They'll be meeting tomorrow and may add additional meetings to continue to discuss this plan. So it's not quite a done deal just yet. Ms. Chatwin had more to say. I need to take a break right now, so I'm going to do that. When we come back, I'll play for you the rest of what Yandri Chatwin from the Salt Lake City School District had to say this morning on these airwaves about whether or not the Salt Lake City School District will offer in-person classroom teaching this coming fall. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. You heard Mark there mention that 988 uh, designation passed by the FCC, and in two years' time, uh, that will be the number should you find yourself in some sort of mental distress uh, where you're thinking about harming yourself. You'll have three digits to dial, and you'll be connected with help right away. Well, you know who's responsible for all that? Congressman Chris Stewart. We've spoken to him a number of times on that uh, as this piece of legislation of his and this effort has progressed uh, both through Congress and then on to the FCC and the executive branch. And as he has worked with uh, organizations and groups and individuals from around the world, as a matter of fact, uh, well, it's coming to fruition. He'll be my guest on this program today uh, just before 2.30. 2.20, you want to be tuned in to hear, uh, first off, what this next step means and what will be the resource available to all of us in two years' time. Chris Stewart will explain it to us all, Congressman, here in the state of Utah later on on today's program. Now, a moment ago, what we were looking at, was the, the new circumstance, which uh, you're aware of, sure, that the Salt Lake City School District is, in fact, able to welcome in-person instruction. They can welcome students back into the building come the fall. That wasn't the case uh, early last week, but then the governor uh, made some changes to the color-coding uh, risk guidelines and, uh, and made it so that anywhere in the state where the risk level is in the orange level, that, that those areas can also welcome students back into the classroom. Why is this important today? Well, for a number of reasons. <laughs> and if you're a parent, uh, certainly if you're a parent of a student in the Salt Lake City School District, you understand why this is important. Because the highest likelihoods is you've got some job to do. Yeah, maybe your employers let you back into the workplace. And school serves not only as a place for edification and enlightenment and education for your young scholars, but also a place to drop the kids off for a few days so you can go about earning the money that keeps the lights on, clothes on those kids' backs, and foods in their, food in their bellies. Yeah, you understand that. I don't need to tell you. My little piper, she's only eight months. They don't have schools yet for her. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I wouldn't mind a break. Is that wrong to say? Anyway, we're looking right now again at a conversation which took place between a spokesperson for the Salt Lake City School District who just this morning on KSL News Radio, speaking with Dave and Dejanovic, discussed the likelihood uh, of the district deciding to take advantage of the new scenario created by the governor to let students into the classroom. 
What does she have to say? We'll, uh, we'll back up a little bit. She was first asked by Debbie if there's a chance the classrooms in the district will remain closed, even though the governor has given the green light. There's definitely still a chance. Um, if you look at the updated language in the phased guidelines, it says that schools may open with some level of in-person instruction. So it, it still doesn't compel anyone to fully open. Uh, but again, our Board of Education has the final word. They'll be meeting tomorrow and may add additional meetings to continue to discuss this plan. So it's not quite a done deal just yet. So there's a meeting tomorrow of the board. There will likely be subsequent meetings. But you have to remember this date, August 1st. Keep that in mind, August 1st. Every district in the state right now under the direction of the Utah State School Board is required to have ready for publication and dissemination to all parents the action plan for this coming fall. Will it be in-person instruction? Will it be remote learning? Will it be some hybrid of the two? And what will be the experience of students once they come into the building? And who's allowed in the building? And do they have to wear a mask? Is it compulsory, or will they be strongly suggested? August 1st, that's when we'll find out. And the big question right now is, what will the Salt Lake City School District do? The conversation continued between Dave Debbie and spokeswoman Yandri Chatwin, Executive Director of Communications and Community Relations at the district. Uh, it was pointed out during that conversation that there are many needs for parents. Yandri was asked, why aren't there two options? Because it seems that there's always the online option. Yeah, that's a really great question. We uh, did our best to listen to the feedback we got from parents after the dismissal in the spring. And 69% of the parents in our district, through an online survey, let us know that they would support a plan where students came to school um, a couple days a week, one or two days, and then were online the rest of the time. So that's how we ended up with that plan, by listening to the feedback from most of our parents, we 100% know that that's not ideal, that it doesn't work for everybody. And believe me, we would do what we could to open fully if, if the cases weren't so bad in Salt Lake City. Um, that is the goal, though, to work towards reopening. And if we do that safely from the get-go, then we can get back into the classroom um, in a, quote, normal way uh, even sooner. Now, this last question asked of uh, the spokesperson from the district is important because you hear it asked so often. You hear it asked of people like the governor and Angela Dunn and other individuals who are in positions where they can make decisions. And that's, this question is, what is the threshold? What is the number we should keep our eyes open for? At what point do we shift to another approach? Yandri Chatwin was asked, what's the threshold to open schools like other schools are planning? It's the case counts that need to go down. Um, it's been so bad in Salt Lake. We've got kids who are coming back without even all of their family members because a lot of them have been impacted by loss from this virus. And it's not just the safety of our students we need to keep in mind, but of our teachers and our other employees. We've got a lot of teachers who are high risk, who are um, over the age of 60. And so we need to be mindful not just of our students' well-being, but of our, our teachers and employees. If we have sick teachers out because there's spread of, our of the virus in our schools, we can't have school in person um, or even online, so we, we do need to make sure that we're balancing that. And, again, we know it's so hard. Um, there's no perfect solution right now, so we're doing the best within the parameters we've got. I am sensitive to the newness of this and the unique challenges that are presented and the, uh, the plethora of considerations and the high stakes. 
But someday I do want to hear a straight answer to that question. What's the threshold? She said that case counts need to go down. Positive case counts need to go down. That they've been very high in the Salt Lake City region lately. Okay. All right. Well, if you look at today versus yesterday, they went down. Does that satisfy the threshold? Does that satisfy your, uh, your, your parameters? You know, obviously that's an unfair question to ask because you have to look more broadly than that. But how do we know exactly what thresholds uh, need to be crossed? Anyway, that, that, that's a, a, just a pet peeve of mine. I don't, uh, I don't want you to get hung up on that. But uh, that question of what is the threshold, it is so often asked, it is very rarely answered. Uh, so keep an ear open for that uh, as things move forward. Uh, time is tight. I wanted to talk to you about tutoring and uh, an interesting trend that has uh, developed. It makes sense, too, that parents who are looking back at earlier this year when their students were required to do some remote learning, and as those parents kind of analyze the effectiveness of remote learning, so many are finding out that um, pretty useless, right? Really, you know, learning or teaching uh, it took place. I don't want my student to be at a disadvantage. I don't want my child to be uh, behind the curve. And so there are many, many families around this country who are taking advantage of their, of their privilege, of their wealth, of their ability to spend, of their discretionary funding, even dipping into savings to pay for private tutors. Now, there are some facts and figures that are interesting here. I don't have time to get into it, though, but I'll ask you this question, basically. Have you uh, entertained the, the option of employing a tutor, a private tutor, so that as your students' school experience, educational experience, is interrupted so much here in the coming fall, or even looking back to the springtime, will you be employing a, a tutor? Let me know, and we'll pick this conversation up uh, maybe later on in the program or tomorrow. But the idea of tutoring is interesting, uh, but it creates it creates a very unfortunate divide. And we'll dive into those details when we get the chance. Quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to be looking at an executive order expected from the president. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.